Um, I, I want to I give you a key today, um, a key that, in fact, I entitled it, All That Matters. Sometimes we can major on the minors. Francis Chan said that our biggest fear needs to be that we succeed in things that don't matter. We can spend our time, here's time management, we can spend our time on minors. Oh, is this an altar call? Sir, do you want to receive the Lord? How you doing, Nathan? Good to see you, man. Awesome. Um, Nathan and Stephen are, are part of our millennial crew back, at, back, back home. And uh, so, <laughs> guys that would never want to come down front because they're going to be embarrassed. Of course, I just did that. So, awesome. Happy that you came, bro. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We have a crew of millennials on Friday nights that we activate uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic, and these guys are like machine guns. And so um, Nathan's always, uh, uh, one of his favorite terms is, I want to piggyback on that. And whatever prophetic word you just thought you got, he brought you like three levels deeper. And, uh, and Stephen gave a, a word this morning to one of the, the folks here that was like, just brought him deeper. So Awesome. Well, I want to. I want to. Uh, I have a personal mission statement, and the personal mission statement is to demonstrate, to impart, and to activate. And so today, I, I want to release things to you, and it's all that matters. Would you say that with me? All that matters. Say it again. All that matters. What happens if this book is more than words? What happens if it's heaven's technology? What happens if righteousness, healing? Miracles won't happen unless we use the technology. There are people that are falling out of the Christian faith because they're like, it just doesn't work. And I tell them, you're right, it doesn't work. Christianity does not work. You've got to have the right key, and the right key is Jesus. Now that sounds very simple, right? But at times we don't put Jesus in. Let me give you an example. When we think of Jesus, we think of someone in a white robe and sandals. That's not the Jesus I serve. That's the pre-grave Jesus. I serve a greater Christ. Now, for some of you, you already think I'm in heresy. But this is what the Word says. That I serve a risen, resurrected, glorious Savior that came out of the tomb defeating death. Jesus said, I've got to go. But I'm releasing to you a paraclete. That's the Greek word. One just like me. And the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ. And so the apostles of old dreamed of being the container of the resurrecting Christ. You know, we use the, we use the verse, uh, we are the temple for stupid things. Oh, I don't eat cake. Why? Well, I'm the temple. That's not what it means. And you shouldn't be eating that cake. But, but that's not what it means. It means we are the temple of the living God, the greatest temple that has ever been created on earth, greater than the temples of old, the tabernacles of old, that God is pleased to dwell on the inside of you, that the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. And then we hear the enemy say, ah, you're a nobody. You can't do anything. I'm a temple, man. 
the spirit of the God, the spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of me. And so I need to have the right key. And so there is a gold standard, and it's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's amazing. I, I love the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, what I say has nothing to do with, with if I refer to churches, it has nothing to do with this church. Because this church I hold so high, and I see what God is doing here. But in so many churches I go to, we believe in the gifts, but I never see them operate. Everybody believes in them, but no one's operating in them. Do you know who you are? You're Batman. Batman didn't have any superpowers, but he had a lot of toys. And so I might not have any powers. I'm just flesh and blood, but I got toys from the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be operating. See, religion lied to us that it's only for the gifted. It's only for the few when the Holy Spirit says, I've given it to all of you. And so the gifts of the Spirit are for you. The prophetic is for you. The words of knowledge and wisdom are for you. And so God wants to empower you. So these things work, and it, it's, it's funny. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 have to do with the gifts of the Spirit, but 1 Corinthians 13 is the engine room that shows how it works. And so in verse number 1, it says this. This is the Passion Translation. If I were to speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages, and in the heavenly tongues of angels. Yet I didn't express myself with burning agape. My words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy and a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have not learned to agape, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything, to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. This is what makes you who you are. There are different... Um, words in the Greek that describe love in the Bible. Um, if you use the wrong term, it can disengage your Christianity. Now, I love God. I love my wife. I love my dogs. I love pizza. I use the same love. Because English is so general, it waters it down. But the Greek, I think there's eight versions of love, and four of them are found in Scripture. One is eros love where we get the word erotic, that is sexual love. There's phileo love, which is a family love or a best friend love. Then there's storge. Storge is used only once in Scripture, but it, it has to do with familiar love. Hey, he's a nice guy. He's a loving guy, but it's earthly love. Storge can't work in Christianity. Only agape is the key. Agape is a unconditional, without reserve or criteria, a, no agenda, no ulterior motives, no buts. It's 100% giving love. It is the language of God. It makes him who he is. He is a good father. Why is he a good father? Because he gives, he rewards, he blesses. He makes a way, he gifts, and he forgives because of agape. It is the description of what agape does. 
In fact, you can only get agape from one source. That's why God says, you want to know me? I am agape. Agape is not God. That's cultic. God is agape. He's not love. Because in English, he could be storge. Oh, no. He is agape. God says, this is who I am. You should only get agape from one source. You can't get it from church. You can't get it from the Bible. You can't get it from fellowship. You can only get it from the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that his mercies, which come from agape, are renewed every morning. Many of us don't operate in agape because we don't spend time with God. You're only going to spend time with things that you value. So you can't tell me I don't have any time. What you're really telling me is I don't have any value for it. I value other things. So you want it, you got to go get it. No one's going to take you by the hand and say, okay, time to pray. I'm not five years old. So I get up at five in the morning. I walk out on the porch. I have coffee. I'll do my time of, you know, I'll, I'll read the word. And I, I, I like to start in tongues and just pray in tongues. And then, and then I have some certain things that I, I pray for. And then I remain quiet. So I can listen and I can hear. I've got a pad and I'm ready to write. And all of a sudden these whisper thoughts begin to come. What is that? That's God speaking. And all of a sudden I'll begin to picture things and see things. And I'll write them down. And just because I leave prayer... God doesn't stop talking, and he'll carry all through the day. I get my agape from him. It's the only place you can get it. In the book of Revelation, it talked about the ten virgins. Five had oil, and five did not. You can only get the oil from God. So everything that we talk about in Scripture is a dimension of agape. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's really the power released of agape. When we talk about the glory coming off of worship, it's really the glory of agape. Woo, man, I feel God. What you're really doing is saying, I feel agape. We come to church and we say, man, I feel God. I got a goosebump. Is that all God's given out as goosebumps? No, you were inspired by a person. But see, I can be inspired by a commercial on TV. I don't come to church to get inspired. Inspiration lasts 10 minutes. You feel inspired? You ever feel a, watch a good movie? Woo! How long will it last? Two days at the most? I don't come to church for inspiration. Anything can inspire me. I come to church for Him. For his presence. And then if God is really in the room, and he is, then I expect a lot from him. I put a demand on him. Why? He's not a man. Sometimes we pray, God, I just want to have a good day. Man can give you a good day. I'm expecting a glorious, love-filled day with opportunities and, 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 and passageways into even better things. I'm looking for my ship to come in. I'm looking to be in the right place 
at the right time, even though I might be in the wrong place at the wrong time because I put a demand on God. Oh, man, I wish this microphone was working. It goes in and out. It goes in and out. God wants you to put a demand on him. So when I pray, I say, God, you promised. I put a demand on you. I put a demand on your word. You promised me. And so I'm not letting go of that promise. According to Isaiah 65, I will give you no rest. That's a great verse. I will give you no rest. God loves when you're persistent. That's why he talks of the two parables in Scripture. Of the people that didn't even fear God or know God, but because they were persistent, they got what they needed. God wants you to keep it up. Keep running after him. Say, God, you promised. God loves that because you're not putting him in the role of a man anymore. So God, I'm not expecting a good service. I'm looking for an incredible, earth-shaking change of everyone that is there. Why? Because no man can do that. There are dreams that God gives us, and they're his dreams. And so if they're his dreams, he's going to make sure they come to pass. It's the dream that makes you who you are. And so God begins to stir us in this agape. It is our identity of who we are. My identity. So I, I love these things. I love the, 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 the plastic fish on, 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 the, on our, our cars and, and the, uh, um, the T-shirts and the bumper stickers. All that's good. But our real identity is to love those that others can't. So let me give you just a little demonstration. If you hear these, these names... Let's see if Agape can stay solid without moving. President Reagan, President Obama, President Trump, Hillary, Bernie Madoff, Oprah, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, he's so funny. Robin Williams, Aaron Judge, Babe Ruth, Justin Bieber, Adolf Hitler. Now, when I say those names, my love, my storge love is going ding, 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 ding. And my opinions are going boom, 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 boom. But agape stays the same. Does not budge. Why? Because God loves every single one of these names. You don't think that God loved Adolf Hitler and wept over him? Do you know why his mustache was the way it was? Because in World War I, he was fighting in France for the German army, and it was all chemical warfare. And when a bomb went off, he put his gas mask on, and it leaked because of his mustache. And he almost died. And so he shaved his mustache so it would never happen again. He had a love for his country. But then he got angry. And then hatred moved in. And those bring other characteristics of darkness. But God wept over Adolf Hitler. Can you love all these different people? In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, it talks, Jesus talks about the future, and he talks about Judgment Day. And he talks about that we are going to be judged according to how we handled the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and those that were prisoners. And all of a sudden, someone stands up and goes, Whoa, whoa, God, whoa. When did we ever see you hungry? And he says... When you saw the least of these, I was there. 
Now, he wasn't using least of these because Jesus thinks they're the least. He knew they thought they were the least. There's a commercial on TV about skin disease. And it says, see me. Have you ever seen that? See me. And Jesus says, in the midst, see me. We started a church for the homeless years ago down in the Florida Keys. I would, drive, I would fly down there every single week in between my services. Angelic sightings are an often occurrence with the homeless. They are seen with the throwaways. It makes sense because the first person to ever enter heaven was Earth's throwaway, one of the thieves on the cross. When the Roman Empire can't rehabilitate you, rehabilitate you with torment and they want you off the planet, you're a bad case. We'd have sightings of angels where all of a sudden they'd be wearing hoodies. You'd see somebody in the back and you'd just see these eyes and everything was dark. And then when you went back there and say, hey, where was that guy? And they would say, what guy? So there was a guy sitting right here next to you that I've been sitting here alone the whole time. I was going through one of my worst times in my life. I was losing the church. I was losing my family. I was giving up on everything. I was in the Florida Keys. I was with my wife in Key West. I'm at the end of Duval Street. It's late at night. I'm sitting on these steps. My head is in my hands. I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife is sitting next to me. All of a sudden, there's a homeless man. He's wearing a trench coat. This is the Florida Keys. It's hot, man. He's wearing this long trench coat. I'll never forget his face. It was a long face, and he had a thin black beard that kind of just outlined his face, and he had black hair. And he's kind of tall, and he's walking past me but he's staring directly at me. And I, I lifted up my head, and he points his finger. He raises his hand like this, and he doesn't stop moving. He's pointing at me, and he said, everything is going to be all right. And I looked at my wife, and I went, oh, the homeless guy says everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And I turned back, and he still had his hand out, and he's walking, and he goes, did you hear what I said? Everything is going to be all right. And it shot through me like a shotgun. I looked at my wife. Tears flashed across my eyes. I knew God was there. I turned again in an instant and he was gone. And the block was so long and all the stores were closed and he disappeared. And I felt like the presence of God had landed like a bomb. And I knew it was the angel of the Lord that had come in the form of a homeless man that had changed my life. And all of a sudden I turned around because all of a sudden strength of heaven had come on the inside of me. And I felt this love of God again begin to build. God works in you, through you, to change you. I want you to bow your heads with me, will you? God wants to activate agape love on the inside of you. There are people that are so desperate to be loved. Our love will pick and choose, but God's love moves 
to the Muslims, to the Hindus, to the liberals, to the Goths, to the gangs, to the tattooed, to the liberals. It'll move to your enemies where we become fans of humanity because of the love of Jesus. That we fulfill scripture. That the angel said, behold, I bring you glad tidings of great news that will be for all people. That God's in love with people. That if you have breath, God dreamed of you for a million years before you were born. According to Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundations of the earth were established or built, he chose you. The message that we have with agape changes people's lives. Just before I pray, just look at me just for a, for a moment. On Friday nights with our millennials, we activate the prophetic. We don't teach them how to do, move in the prophetic. We activate it. Most of the millennial generation is atheists. So when new kids come, their parents are atheists, they're atheists. We don't argue about the universe. We simply move out in the prophetic. And there was one of the girls, tough, and I spoke a word over her. And to hone my gifting, I always say, does that mean anything to you? And I was waiting for her to blast me. She pointed her finger at me. She said, no one has been more accurate with me who didn't know me. She, brought, she received Christ. She brought her atheist boyfriend the next week. Street kid, tough, didn't look like he cared about anything. God gives me a word for him. No emotion. And I th thought he was going to blast me too. And I said, does this mean anything? And he started to stutter and said, are you kidding me? I'm trembling here. He accepted Christ that night. People need to be loved, and God is looking to love them through you. God's not afraid to love people. God wants to move out and love them. I'm not here to argue with people. Hey, man, how's that, how's, how's that, how's that pain in your shoulder? How do you know I have a pain in my shoulder? I don't. I feel like the Lord just told me, and God wants to heal you right now. Can I just, can I just pray for you? Yeah, all right. I'm, God allows me to prophesy over tattoos. And so I see a tattoo, and it's not just uh, what I see. It begins to move. It, it's, it's highlighted. All of a sudden, I'll see something move, or I'll see it as something else. And I'll begin, every tattoo is connected to the heart. Even if they were drunk when they got it, it was connected to the heart, right? And so I'll prophesy over them, and all of a sudden I have to be careful what waitresses and, and waiters because all of a sudden they start to become a mess right there because God is speaking into their life. That's what the love of God does. It's not to give you a warm and fuzzy feeling only, although it will. It will bring you, or you're walking by someone that's homeless, and God will show you their heart and begin to speak over them. When we minister to the homeless... All of them knew the word because they go from one mission to the next mission to get a meal. But they weren't ready for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden they began to change. 
we minister at some of the missions in Patterson. And after we speak the word, we begin to prophesy. And all of a sudden, they begin to melt. We're prophesying this and prophesying that, things that we never could have known. I'm about ready to give it to you. It's called impartation. What I've wept over, what I paid for, the decisions that I made, I had to stand out in faith. And I got oil because of it. I can give you a part of it. It's impartation. If you want some, I just want you to stand where you are and we're going to activate you even right now. It's time. God wants you to take this city. God wants you to take your marriages. God wants you to take your families. But it only happens through agape. That you love them with unconditional love. Can you serve your enemy? Can you serve the people at work that talk against you? Can you buy them coffee? Can you walk by the, the homeless guy and say, hey, listen, man, I, 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 I bought an extra sandwich for you. Only agape can do certain things. Only agape can handle your family all the way to your worst enemy. Would you put your hand over your heart and the other hand, would you just kind of hold out like I'm going to hand you something, although I'm not, the Holy Spirit is. Let me just put a disclaimer. Once God activates this to a new level, he's going to want to use it. Because agape is not a sleeping word. A dormant word is a kinetic or action word. And God will cause people to cross your path starting as soon as we're done. God will also heal relationships in this church. You haven't spoken to your brother in 13 years. And all of a sudden, you'll start weeping and saying, I got to call him. Listen, I'm sorry. Even if he was wrong, I'm sorry. I never wanted it to go this way. You're my brother. And I just needed to call you. You'll be calling old pastors. Say, I'm sorry. You'll be calling your daughter. Even if they're, they're, they're not in their right frame of mind, they did something wrong, you're like, you're my daughter and I love you and I want you to know that. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you've done. I'm in love with you. And you'll simply be reflecting the love of Jesus. You ready? So, Father, in Jesus' name, we allow you, Holy Spirit, because it's not about us. It's about you. This whole gathering, it's not about us. It's about you. It's about you. Not taking over the service. We gave the service over to you from the very beginning. This is all you. And so, Lord, that you would activate, turn on the switches even right now, that this church would be activated to another level. That, Lord, this church has already operated in the agape, but to another level. And so, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, we would hear testimony after testimony of people coming in, that we would see any, any empty chair as a potential to bring in the unloved, the unreached. And so, Lord, we thank you because you were the example, even in your pain, even in your torment on the cross, you welcomed the thief. And so, Lord, thank you. I release it right now in Jesus' name. Amen.